and welcome to another episode of The Insatiable Appetite. I'm Lori Demerit, CEO of The Hartman Group. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, Tamara Barnett, VP of Strategic Insights. As we continue to follow COVID-19 and its effect on the food and beverage landscape, we thought it would be important to talk a bit about the impact that the pandemic is having on various players in the industry. In particular, on the packaged food and beverage companies, how it's creating new urgencies for them, and how they should prioritize strategy both in the near term and the long term. Thanks for the chat, Lori. It's always good to talk about strategy, of course, and uh, being in this unprecedented moment where so many things are turned on their heads. I think the questions around strategy and growth and product development, the role of brands, have taken on even more complexity. So great opportunity to chat. Agreed. You know, one particularly interesting aspect of COVID-19 is the comeback of big food. One of the questions that marketeers and business leaders are considering is whether this resurgence will be sustained once things normalized or anything close to that. So, Tamara, what are your thoughts on whether these big brand comebacks will last or dissipate in the near future? Well, there certainly has been an inevitable reshifting of consumer behavior. And, you know, like any disruption, but particularly given the thorough and prolonged disruption of the COVID-19 episode, as I like to call it, I'm not sure what to call it, an episode, an epoch. (laughs) Uh, But many consumers have really experienced this kind of very profound disruption. We think that many of the attitudes and behaviors in response to this will also involve a prolonged correction period. In other words, we're not going to anticipate or expect experience this kind of quick snapback when things normalize, as you say, whenever that happens or whatever that will actually look like. Uh, Furthermore, like other events, uh, COVID-19 is likely to result in some more permanent changes amongst consumers and in the food industry, at least in some areas. Um, So COVID has the potential to result in some fundamental shifts in how we think about food, how we market it, how we sell it, uh, how we consume it. Um, So all of that to say, uh, there's certainly a possibility that big food has an opportunity to enjoy prolonged relevance as consumers have become reacquainted with their brands and appreciate some of the experience and value that they have to offer. Uh, However, there are a lot of contingencies, I think, around that. You know, big food has to demonstrate its relevance well beyond this particular moment. Um, And to that point, I think we have to acknowledge that some of the forces behind the resurgence of big food um, are indeed temporary. You know, on the consumer side, we've seen things like the elevated importance of comfort and familiarity, nostalgia, even practical considerations like cost and food waste. And then on the market side, there have been certainly all kinds of implications with supply chains and operational limitations that have had this trickle-down effect uh, for smaller retailers and manufacturers in particular, but then also uh, for consumers, resulting in some forced changes in terms of what their shopping baskets can even look like. Um, So while we can be optimistic about this unique opportunity for big food, I think we also have to be realistic uh, that some, though not all, of these forced changes may not persist uh, once consumers have the opportunity and the confidence level to return back to some of their preferences that typified their behaviors Mm pre-COVID. Yeah, you know, one of the threads running throughout this discussion about temporary versus long-term change and eventual normalization is how those in the food and beverage business should respond in the interim. So in particular, there's a question around product innovation and whether it should be put on pause, should it be reduced, or dare we say, (laughs) even amped up during this time. 
Uh, recently, there's been a lot of press around some food and beverage executives that are reporting that they're cutting back significantly on innovation for the foreseeable future. And so one of the big questions that we've been talking about recently internally is whether we believe these companies should stop or continue innovation. Now, first of all, we have to acknowledge there has been immense disruption in day-to-day operations, especially on the front lines of food harvesting and production. And so frankly, many food manufacturers simply have been in triage mode to ensure that they can maximize productivity of their lines. And that means reducing, if not halting certain SKUs, uh, doing everything they can to limit out of stocks. And obviously in this environment, innovation activity and new product launches are inevitably going to be affected. That said, we believe that the essential question is how companies in this moment strike the right balance between the brass tax operations on the one hand and innovation on the other, while recognizing that the latter still is an essential part of any long-term health of a packaged good firm. And so while the answer is going to be different for every food and beverage company, our bottom line is that innovation must continue during this time, particularly among packaged foods firms, and that it would be a huge mistake to totally shift away all focus from innovation. Yeah, I really appreciate how you've reframed the question from if innovation should happen, uh, which is kind of a very reductionist, you know, kind of approach to what extent should innovation happen? Because to your point, it rightly emphasizes the imperative that innovation um, should be continued, you know, despite the vagaries, the ups and downs of this particular global pandemic. Um, And as we've been talking about over the past few weeks, about why innovation remains essential, I think it comes down to a couple of reasons. You know, one, innovation ensures that companies maintain a long-term vision for the future. Um, And two, that innovation, and not just innovation in general, but innovation now is the only way in which that, that bounce that many of the big brands have experienced doesn't just dissipate once behaviors and supply chains and access normalizes again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me more what you're thinking about when you say that it helps to ensure and maintain a long-term vision for the future. Well, you know, as you know, you're an expert in this. One of the things I know that you've collaborated so closely with clients is that imperative of long-term strategic planning um, and ensuring that one's portfolio is resilient over time, given all of the shifts that are happening in the food landscape and amongst consumers. And so having a long-term focus really means protecting companies' large tentpole brands and equities that have a lot of nostalgic equity, uh, that provide a lot of practical um, and functional utility for consumers in times such as these. So I think companies have been right to reinvest in their large brands and ensure that they can respond to this moment. They've been really well poised, I think, to respond to this moment. But having a long-term vision also means ensuring that the portfolio as a whole is engaging with the attributes, the benefits, the occasions that are driving growth long-term. And so innovation doesn't mean that your big brands get left behind. In fact, it means that your innovation must continue within these these large stalwart brands. Um, Now, of course, innovation means, you know, working with your newer equities as well, whether they be developed in-house or via M&A or other strategic partnerships, and that a lot of that innovation, the breakthrough innovation, is likely going to occur via those smaller emerging vehicles. Um, But if you're having a long-term vision, um, innovation has to be occurring and it has to be occurring within those big brands. Mm -hmm. So for companies that are thinking long-term and preparing for strong performance post-COVID, it sounds like there's a risk that by limiting innovation too much, even during this time, that their portfolio is going to significantly be behind the curve once the fog of COVID lifts. 
Yeah, that's right. And, and halting innovation means seeding ground to those competitors, big or small, who continue to do the work to position their products to reflect those long-term drivers of demand during this time as well as after this time. Mm-hmm. And what was the second thing you mentioned as well regarding innovation, Tamara? Well, we've kind of alluded a, a bit to this second point, which is that the, the renaissance that many large brands have enjoyed in the past couple of months uh, is going to dissipate uh, inevitably. And, and that's just sort of a natural kind of waxing and waning. Um, but I think the extent to which these brands can enjoy a strong post-COVID performance is actually going to be driven by the extent to which they're able to innovate during this time and continue to build on the relationships that they've reignited with consumers. You know, one of the things that we are already witnessing uh, during this pandemic is the increasing literacy and awareness that mainstream consumers um, have been gaining uh, around the life cycle of food and the food system. You know, for example, we're seeing an increased interest in and consumption of products that are associated with premium attributes like organic. Um, And there's been even more interest in more progressive health and wellness benefits and in the topic of sustainability. Um, You know, for example, one of the things I think that was really interesting to me uh, was a recent study that found that the number of consumers who take the environment into consideration when making purchases is actually on the rise when asked at the beginning of the pandemic in early March versus a month later. So COVID might be having this interesting sort of accelerating effect where the adoption of certain attitudes and behaviors, including those that aren't really driven by price, consciousness, or nostalgia is actually on the increase. Um, So that means companies and their big brands are really going to need to engage with consumers on those areas. They're going to have to demonstrate that commitment to issues around sustainability and wellness and culinary discovery. So while we're working with business leaders to make sure that their brands and their portfolios are in lockstep with the the longer term drivers of demand, we also are working with teams to explore whether or not their brands and retail experiences are offering the right kind of solutions and inspiration in light of the changes of COVID. And and frankly, that just can't happen if innovation goes on pause. You know, in order to rightly adapt and and retain your your value post-COVID, you're gonna have to be sort of actively thinking about innovation or at the very least, you know, be thinking about um, strategic planning in this moment if you're um, gonna kind of uh, endure post-COVID. Yeah, well, this has been a great discussion about strategy and innovation in the midst of COVID. And, you know, we recognize that this question of when and how much to innovate during this time is going to be organization dependent, that there's no cookie cutter solution. Uh, packaged food manufacturers have unique challenges that grocery retailers do not, and certainly that food service does not, because they have a whole host of other issues that they're worried about. But certainly there are opportunities in the midst of challenges for all these segments. And there are some sort of big picture questions that we believe all business leaders have to grapple with as they weigh how innovation should fit into their business activities. The first is that what are the long-term cultural shifts that are driving demand? And is your portfolio rightly aligned and right-sized against these shifts? So when we think about innovation, we always ground it in an understanding of the deep long-term shifts in both culture and in consumer behavior in order to ensure that the innovation engages with but isn't driven by more ethereal trends, or for that matter, specific crises. Number two, we find that executives and marketeers also have to think about what the future of food might look like long-term and post-COVID and potentially post-recession as well. So we recognize that innovation cannot exist in a bubble and that many of those long-term shifts I mentioned are being impacted 
reprioritized and further nuanced by COVID-19. And thinking through what the food and beverage world is going to look like post-COVID is an essential first step to thinking through how innovation may need to respond to these new realities. Yeah, that's those are two good points. And I think given the answers to those questions, you know, is my portfolio well positioned against long-term shifts? What is the future of food going to look like, you know, post-COVID are, are really important questions. They're probably the fundamental questions. And given the answers, you know, to those questions and each company's specific business situation and brand assets, you know, then organizations can start to grapple with what's the appropriate scale of innovation they could be considering. You know, we've talked about, we sort of made our case that innovation during this time is really essential, but what that actually looks like, I think is going to vary. And, you know, when we talk about innovation, there are a number of levers that organizations can pull. You know, there's renovation, build, buy. And when we talk about innovation, you know, the latter two tend to get the most buzz we tend to think about, you know, new product launches or, or product acquisitions. Um, and, and frankly, those might seem a little bit out of touch with the challenges that many uh, organizations are facing right now and in the coming months, especially as we see sort of a recession looming. Um, however, renovation, particularly amongst those big brands that we talked about, um, might be uh, the most important lever to keep in mind. And so not only is innovation important, but there's all different ways to approach innovation uh, that organizations organizations can consider depending on their specific uh, business aims and and their organizational context. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Tamara, as always, for a fantastic conversation. Uh, Thanks to all you listeners for joining us today. Uh, We look forward to welcoming you back next week to the Insatiable Appetite. Y'all take care out there. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.